the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson. Uh, We are winding down our win totals. So... If you have not gotten a chance to listen to any of our previous win totals episodes, we're talking the ACC, Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12, uh, Notre Dame, BYU, and some uh, choice group of five selections from the squad. All of it is available in the feed. It is a great way to get ready for the season. And now it is our final week. We will do the SEC East today. We will do the SEC West later. And then finally, just to get you a little bit ready for the rhythm of the season as it approaches on Thursday, it will be our first episode of live. Locks. It will be the win totals lock. So we've given you all these different picks, but you know, sometimes we say, are we not my most confident pick? Or I really like this pick. Well, we got to whittle it down. You've got to have your card ready. Win totals locks coming up at the end of the week. Very excited about all of that. Uh, we got seven teams here to tackle. Gentlemen, are y'all ready to count them up? Let's do it. Let's do it. As much as I think it's the, the under count is a safe up. play, like I can't even count them. I can't fathom who wins. How many kids are gonna win this fall? I just can't. I don't see it. It's not not on there. It's not not. the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. Should have worn my Georgia t-shirt, a gift from Tom Fernelli when we were a Georgia Bulldogs podcast. We haven't... We haven't really declared one way or another how we feel about the dogs. This will certainly, certainly be instructive. The over tip our hand. Yeah, the over yeah. over under win total uh at Caesar Sportsbook at ten and a half. The over minus one thirty, the under plus one ten. Uh, the excitement about Georgia in part comes from the fact that we get such an awesome game at the start of the season. Neutral site game against Clemson in Charlotte. Uh Clemson very comfortable in Charlotte, but Georgia not too far. I expect that to be, it is a sellout. I expect it to be somewhat of a 50-50 split. A great kind of atmosphere there. The rest of the non-con, you got UAB, Charleston Southern, and Georgia Tech for some good old-fashioned hate. The draw from the West, Arkansas at home, Auburn on the road. And I uh, I guess I want to start this, like, We've got some news uh, from Georgia as Eric Gilbert has less, left the team for personal reasons. So if, if that has influenced your debate or influenced your you know decision at all, definitely let us know uh, which way are we going to stand on the Bulldogs sitting at 10 and a half. I'll start. I'm going under, but it's, it's not a confident under. I don't really feel confident on either side of this total, honestly, because it's like that first game of the year, I kind of get the sense that if Georgia beats Clemson in the opener, it's probably going over. If they don't, it's probably going under just because while the rest of the schedule really isn't super difficult, like they get Florida at the neutral field as they always do. But I, I don't know what Florida is going to look like exactly. We'll get more to that later in the show, obviously, but I just feel like looking at this schedule with road games at Auburn, with that Florida game on a neutral site and with that Clemson game, there's a very very realistic chance for two losses on the schedule. I think that this is a Georgia team that will be better than last year with JT Daniels playing at quarterback all season long, but we've seen injuries on offense to George Pickens. We've got the Eric Gilbert situation. We don't know what his status is going to be going into the year. So there are some question marks, although I do think they are talented on offense at the receiver position, at the running back position, and on the offensive line. And defensively, they're very good. So when I talk about concerns on this Georgia team, they're the kind of concerns that are like, oh, they might only be 10-2 and two instead of 11-1. and one. So I my numbers push me slightly to the under here, but I don't really have 
an exceptionally strong feel on either side. So it's the quarterback's job to go, like pump up the rest of his his unit, right? So when JT Daniels is is walking around at uh, at SEC media days and at all preseason media availability, and he's just reading off the list of skill position players and the wide receiver and running back position like it's a grocery list and talking about how much confidence he has in each one of these players to be able to go out and deliver, that they've got a full understanding of the scheme, that all the work they've put in at the end of last year and throughout the offseason has, has made him really excited about what's going to happen. I don't think that's all uh, like JT Daniels' fabrication. And I think that I, I hear him uh, you know, express that kind of confidence and I take some notes that we really – might see that small sample size from the end of the year expanded in a big way. You know, Gilbert's loss could be very significant because he's such a high ceiling talent. But even, I mentioned this in the group chat, even when he was going to be going to Florida, not Georgia, I still thought that this was going to be an 11 and one Georgia team. I'm, you know, the, the, my big question that I have on my notepad is where are the tough road games? Because Clemson's a neutral, Florida's a neutral, and where else are you going to be really concerned about Georgia going uh, without it being just a massive disappointment? So uh, minus 130, you know, I got to lay a little bit, but I'm, I'm on the over here. So my, my numbers say <clears throat> under very slightly here, uh, but we got some good iTunes reviews that said, hey, like the you know, win totals, Pods are supposed to be more about reviewing the conference. So I'm not going to talk about my lines quite as much. I think Chip brought a really good point up about where are the tough road games. I would ID Missouri and Kentucky as teams three and four in the SEC East for this season, and both of them have to come to Sanford Stadium, mm-hmm. right? I, as far as the games that are quote unquote losable, like maybe at Tennessee, maybe oh. at Georgia Tech, maybe at Auburn, but I really don't feel. You know, and maybe maybe Auburn fans would be mad that I put them in the same category there as Georgia uh, Tech, as Georgia Tech and Tennessee, <laughs> probably deservedly so. You know, yeah, sure, I, I would I would agree, but like those games aren't aren't like one hundred percent, you know, ninety five percent lock type games to me. They're they're more high eighties, I would say, maybe Auburn high seventies. Uh, there are some concerns I have about this team though. I'm going to bet the over. Probably not hard. I already have Georgia for the Natty at 10 to 1, so I'm, I feel nice about that number locked in. But they already had their center go down. We'll mm-hmm. see if, if Cedric Van Pan is, is going to handle him there. Uh, you know, I'm a believer in the offensive improvement and a believer in JT Daniels, but I will note that three of the four teams he played last year when he started to light it up were either really bad defenses or defenses that were absolutely gutted in the case of a good Mississippi State defense that had a bunch of guys out. Uh, and so you have to have, I guess, some question there. Like, is he going to do it better against the better defenses? Against Cincinnati, he struggled a little bit. Uh, and then he also had some good throws in that game. Arik Gilbert is a question because they were playing him at receiver. And they already lost George Pickens. I, I do think they have dudes on this team. Marcus Rosemey is a guy I've liked a lot at a high school. Apparently, he's come back very strong. Offensive tackle, maybe a little bit of a question. Is is, is it Broderick Jones? Uh, you know, if not, I guess we'll see. But then I think about some, and and look, I think secondary is a bit of a question too. You know, they lose Tyreek Stevenson to Miami, but they, they they get the stud from West Virginia to transfer in. I just think Georgia has a pass rush this year, right? When I talk to the guys who, who coach at Florida State, and they tell me, "Hey, Jermaine Johnson's the best player on this team." Jermaine Johnson was a backup at Georgia and was not going to start. So I think they might really have some like dude dudes up front this year who can overwhelm most of the teams they play. So I'm not, I don't think there's a ton of value in this for the show. I will go ahead and go with the over. So I think George is going to be boom or bust. Like I, and that's where I like buds, like 10 to one, take them to win the natty. I would lean more towards the bust just because I, I, I'm a little more skeptical of JT Daniels. Like you mentioned, you know, he's the, the caliber of competition he's played against due to, you know, the uncertainty. Like, and I, and Georgia fans give me a hard time because when they, you know, June 1st hits and they get Darion Kendrick and they get Gilbert, it's like, oh, Kirby's amassed more talent again. And I was like, sometimes you got to be careful with that talent that comes in. There could be risk that comes with it. Some of that risk we're seeing unfold. So I was curious to see what changed June 1st as far as the odds makers. Win total didn't change. 
and the line against Clemson didn't change. It's been pretty, you know, it's pretty steady there at three and a half the entire time before they signed those two and after. Well, guess what? Last couple of days, we find out more news about Gilbert. Does anything change? Nope. Still at three and a half. Win total still at 10 and a half. I want so bad to take the under, but man, I, and this goes to Bud's comment. I think their backups could roll up <laughs> and, and, get to, and get 11 wins probably. I mean, it's just the schedule is a joke, which is kind of funny because all we do is talk about the gauntlet of the SEC. And this is one of the easier schedules in the country. And Clemson is not easy. Georgia's not e- or Florida, the Florida-Georgia game will not be easy. And I think that's the one. Like, So if you go under, I think you have to make the assumption they're losing to Clemson and you have to assume they're losing to Florida. If you don't, like if they split, if they burn you on one of those games, where's the other loss going to come from? Like, I just, you I don't know. know. And I, for me, what? honestly, it's, I, I feel the same way like you guys are feeling about the amount of talent on this team and how much they're better than it. I have to factor in the Kirby Smart factor. In that I just feel like they're going to screw up somewhere. Like, I have to put that in play. It's like, I feel like they could beat Clemson and still lose twice. You know what I mean? Oh. It's, it's just one of those things for me. It's like we were talking the other day when we were doing the Big Ten about the Pat Fitzgerald factor. This one goes the other way. It's like, eh, there's, there's room for a mistake or some late game questionable decisions here. So you're saying like the South Carolina too. game. Like, remember that Georgia-South Carolina yeah. game that was Three years awful. ago yes. at home. It was in Athens, and they lost. So, like, there there could be a slip-up in there. I'm going to go with Tom. <laughs> I'm going to go with the boomer bust. I'm going to say – I just – I'm not buying into the hype. Like, typically, I will try to buy low and sell high, and I think the hype around Georgia, the expectation of this is their year, I just think it's a little bit too much. So I'm going to take the under. Mm. Love it. By the way, I mean, if you, I think ten and two though is probably a likely outcome. Do you think? Um, first of all, I, I, by the way, Danny was talking. I had him as as uh, as over on the sheet, so I need to make sure I put that in there correctly. There's no way in hell I would ever bet this, right? No, because like to me, this is. Do you like this team? Yes or no. If you really like them, bet them against Clemson. If you don't, bet Clemson. <laughs> I just don't think there's really much of a wh- – why am I going to wait you know, 14 weeks to get my money back on something that has a pretty decent shot of being decided in week one, mm-hmm. especially if you like the over. If you like the over, take dogs on the money line and, and, and get your cash you know, like day after Labor Day. <laughs> and I, I think you've got like the best bet that's possible on Georgia this year. I think the best bet on Georgia is that 10 to one to win a national title. I got one at like nine to one a couple months ago. So it's like, that's for me, my preseason future on Georgia. That's it. Cause I feel like that's great value. There's no value on this win total that I can really find. Agreed. Go dogs. How many games are going to win this fall? The Florida Gators sitting at a round 9.0 at the Caesar Sportsbook. over is plus one Oh five under at minus minus one twenty five. The non-con goes, uh, hey, what's up, Willie? Florida Atlantic, uh, USF, Samford, and Florida State. The West draw is tough. You've got your LSU game that you get every year. That's going to be in Baton Rouge, and you welcome Alabama to the swamp. So with the Florida Gators sitting on a round 9.0, we mentioned that the Georgia game is going to be a neutral. Um, How are we feeling about Dan Mullen, Emory Jones, and... You know, some some moving pieces on the defensive side of the ball. I think that there's a lot of intrigue about Florida. I would say I've got more intrigue than confidence, but uh, I'll let somebody else come and take first stab here. Give me the over. Are you confident about it? Yeah. I'm on the over, I mean, too. Like, but, like, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's okay. going to make the locks pod. Right. But, like, Dan Mullen is one of those coaches, along with Pat Fitzgerald, that have a tremendous record of outperforming their Vegas win totals. You do lose Kyle Trask, which I think is a big deal. Uh, you also lose, you know, Pitts, and you lose Kadarius Tony, which could also be big deals. Uh, however, the backup plan is essentially going back to the offense that Dan Mullen is extremely comfortable running, having done so for about a decade, you know, plus really back to when he was Urban Meyer's OC with Utah, which is that sort of spread option, mobile quarterback stuff. They have two QBs who I think actually he, I mean, I, the odds of Dan Mullen not Dan Mullen not getting one of Jones or Richardson to play well, I think uh, is not a bet <laughs> that, that I want to take. Uh, 
I don't necessarily love their their skill core. Uh, at you know, on the outside, they had a lot of unproven guys. They have some dudes who are uh, tantalizing, you know, potential wise, like Justin Shorter. But you know, can he run routes other than bubble screens? Maybe so. If he can, that offense is going to really take off. But like, there's a reason he left Penn State, and they utilized him in a pretty limited, uh, albeit occasionally explosive, role at Florida. I think the offensive line will be better. Not that it's crazy talented, um, but I, I feel like they're pretty good there. Defensive line, I think, is, is something that really, uh, really could be pretty damn good, and one of the better ones in the SEC. Secondary, I think, is, is the question. They they lost Hill to the torn ACL for the year, and, and there are some opponents on the schedule who who could take advantage of that. LSU, but in looking at it, Alabama, LSU, like you can find them right. pretty quick. Right, but the number is is nine. So, I think in everybody's numbers here, and hey, we're going to talk numbers for a second. Uh, <laughs> Nine comes up a whole hell of a lot for me. I think that your chance of getting your money back on this is pretty solid. I just think ten and two is more likely than eight and four here. You know, I, I think they have relatively guaranteed wins: Sanford, Vandy, FAU, at USF, South Carolina, FSU, Tennessee, right? At Missouri, at Kentucky, are certainly potential slip-up spots. As is at LSU, and then Georgia, you know, Georgia, Bama. But I don't think it's all that crazy to think they can go two and one against at Missouri at Kentucky at LSU and then lose Georgia Alabama to to hit you know hit ten and two. If they're going to go eight and four, I mean they're losing Bama Georgia and they're also what losing two of three at at Missouri at Kentucky at LSU. Something really wrong happened there. So go ahead, and give me the over. Uh, I'm right there with you. I've got pushed over in the notes. I think nine and three comes up a lot. I am, uh, we'll get to it, but I'm more intimidated by Missouri than I am by Kentucky in that split. And I think that uh, if you just want to make it easy on yourself, you can just imagine Alabama, Georgia at LSU, like there's your three losses. And even if this is a team that is outperforming its its win total expectation, then it's, I don't know, it's, it's probably going to win those other games. So I'm I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm on the uh, over. And I'll say that while I absolutely do not believe that he is going to be Kyle Pitts because he is an entirely different player. I think Kamore Gamble has a good year. And I feel like there's a little bit of, you know, they're they're trying to hype him up because you're taking over for a guy who is a top five pick in the NFL draft. But, you know, like you mentioned in terms of all those different skill position players, you know, you've got like Xavier Henderson, uh, Whittemore, like if they got some some six three, six four guys, then you've got some six foot guys that are a little bit shifty. Um Dan Mullen's done a good job of being able to put those different toys in the right places in important times in the drive, third down, red zone situations, being able to find matchups. And, and that's why Dan Mullen is, is regarded as you know one of the top offensive minds in college football right now. So I, I think nine and three is a likely outcome, but I'm with you, bud. I'm going over. Over. I mean, you guys have gone over a lot of the points for me. I, I'm pretty much in the same area. Like, I think Alabama, that's a loss. And then I think it's really going to be down to at, you know, at or versus Georgia in Jacksonville and at LSU. Those two games with the buy in between. It's like, if they could split those games, then I think that we're pretty much very solid over. If they don't, then I feel like we're probably going to push, although we could get to an eight and four, depending on how things go at the very end of the season with a couple games at Mizzou and Florida state. But I just think that this is still going to be a very good Florida team. And I know that they're losing Kyle Trask and that they're losing Kyle Pitts and they lose a lot, but I do think this is a talented team. And I do think like you mentioned at the very top, but with Dan Mullen, I think that they have a coach who has proven everywhere he's been that he's able to get the most out of the talent that he has. And he's even able to get a little bit more sometimes than the talent that he has. So that gives me more optimism for this team going on a weekly basis against the teams that it's going to be facing on this schedule to be one of the better teams in the country. Like Florida strikes me as a top 10 team this year. And while I think nine and three is the most likely outcome, I do definitely have 10 and two being ahead of eight and four. So when I look at the Gators, I look at the schedule, I look at this total, I'm more optimistic about them having a, t- a double-digit win kind of win the division season, compete for an SEC title than being just kind of a run-of-the-mill run for Florida 8-4. and four. They were great last year, right? Are you... What was their... What, how were they? 8-4. and four. They were awesome. Maybe the most overrated 8-4 and four team we've seen in the history of football because we talk about them like they were right there with Alabama, and they were in that game, and I get their losses were really tough. 
I agree with a lot of what you guys said. I got to take the under. I'm going to be a contrarian here. I'm going to tell you why. Because I, we all agree Alabama's a loss, right? Yes. Do we agree? So I think the LSU game is really tricky. I don't think they lose to Kentucky. They've 31 straight against Kentucky. They lost one, and they're going to probably start another 31 in a row. They're just they're at a different tier than them. But I think the LSU game in Baton Rouge is going to be tricky for them. I think that's a potential loss. If they lose that one, I'm celebrating my victory already because I think they lose to Georgia. And then what do we see the mentality of this program that comes from their head coach? What once to sit? We're out of it. Like, what's there left to play for? We didn't, he didn't even like Dan Mullen didn't even blink when nobody played against Oklahoma. He's like, we're already on to next year. I think after the Georgia game, they might be on to next year. And I don't, it's hard to peg one. I would say Missouri, who they're two and two against since Missouri's entered the SEC. I think they're five or five and five historically. I think that's a slip-up game for them where they mail it in. So I'm going to take the under. I do think nine and three is probably the more likely outcome, but I'm having a really hard time seeing this team as 10 and two. You know, like I just, I don't see 10 and two either. So I'm going to kind of take some value here and take the under. So like when I think about, because I didn't mention anything about Florida's defense and I think the difference between Florida and Georgia, you can look at the defense because for Florida, there's like one player at each level that I'm excited about. Like uh, up on the front, it's Cox. You know, at the linebacker position, it's Miller and it's uh, Elam on the back end. But then I'm just not as excited about the rest of those where you look at Georgia's defense and outside of the secondary, particularly in the front, you go to the second line and there's still guys that I'm excited about. So without a doubt, uh, a tear down from there, but I... I like it, Danny. Going contrarian. Count them up! That brings us to the Kentucky Wildcats, one of two teams in the division with a round number of 7.0. The over is at minus 150 at Caesar Sportsbook, under at plus 130. Uh, the non-con is Alphabet Soup. You go ULM, UTC, NMSU, and then uh, we finish at Louisville. That looks like three and one at worst. Uh, the West draw at Mississippi State. Then they welcome LSU to Lexington, um, which this is a this is an interesting year and an interesting time. We just had as we're sitting here recording on Monday. Joey Gatewood uh, just left the program. You know we're we're looking at as something that Bud has mentioned a lot on this show some some changeover in offensive philosophy. So how do we think it works out when it as it's put into place? Uh, on the field for the Wildcats in 2021? I have no idea. <laughs> like, I was texting a little bit about this with you guys yesterday in the group chat. Like, this is one of the more confusing teams for me as far as trying to figure out what it's going to look like and what it's going to do. Because as you mentioned, they, they just announced that Will Levis will be their starting quarterback. They're changing their philosophy on offense. Levis said at the time when he left Penn State that one of the reasons he wanted to get out of Penn State was that he wanted to go somewhere where they viewed him as a QB who could run instead of a running QB. So that gives you somewhat of an inclination of what Kentucky's plans might be for the position. It's just I've also always been of the opinion where it's like I felt like Levis was the best quarterback at Penn State, but in the back of my mind, it's like, well, if you're right, then shouldn't he have beaten out Sean Clifford by now? And he never did. So I don't know what to expect from Levis. I don't know what to expect from Kentucky's offense. I know that they're going to be tough. I know defensively they're going to be just, you know, they're, they're going to be a pain in your butt. I know that they're going to get after you. I think that offensively they'll probably be more conservative than they are, you know, straight up, let's air it out and throw the ball all over the place. Place, but I don't know if it's if if they're going to be as kind of like three yards in a cloud of dusty as they've been forced to be in recent times. So it's like I go through this and I go through the schedule. It's like it's hard to know what's going to happen with this team. I think seven and five, which is where the number is, is probably the most likely outcome. But I do have concerns, particularly with there's that stretch that starts in October where they go Florida, LSU and at Georgia. It's a really tough three games to have before your buy. Like I would love to have my buy before those games. And the end of the season, things get a little more easy. But it's just if they're beaten up after those three games, if they're not, if they're in bad shape, the season could it could be one of those positions where you know the season starts to slip away from you. 
it could go bad down the stretch in games that they should be winning. So I'm on seven and five. If I have to take a direction, though, and again, seven and five far and away, the most likely outcome in my mind. I think six and six is more likely than eight and four. So I have to give a slight lean to the under. So I don't know that six and six is more likely than eight and four, but I do know that the juice on the over here is minus a dollar fifty, and the juice to the under is plus a dollar thirty. Uh, and so that's that's not a coin flip. You know what I mean? That that like you need to be sixty percent to to break even on on minus one fifty. You need to be what forty. Was it like forty three percent, four ish, yeah, yeah. So, like for me, I'm also going to join Tom with the under here. I, I have look, they kind of traded in like below average to try to chase greatness, but there's no guarantee this passing game will actually work. This is the first year this team is actually trying to pass the ball. Now you get Wandale Robinson as a transfer, you get Darryl Rosenthal as a transfer. We already talked about the QB. But there's no guarantee Liam Cohen's offense will actually work here. It it could. Defensively, too, like they slipped a little bit last year. I mean, they were playing really good defense under Mark Stoops for a while. You know, last year they fell outside the top 40 in SP plus. And I think FPI had them, you know, fairly similar. I Tom, I assume you didn't have them like a top 25 defense still in, in, in your stuff. So you know, but yet, like they lose some pass rushers. We'll see what happens there. They also lose both their top corners. I could I could see this team. I, they're definitely not going to miss a bowl, right? Because to me, they're just like New Mexico State, which was really, really bad. UTC, ULM, Vandy. You know, is that Vandy out South? Is that at South Carolina? Is that two guaranteed dubs? No. I don't think it's guaranteed. I mean, like, is the most likely outcome 2-0? I think so, but it's not like necessarily more likely than everything else combined you know they could go one and one either way oh and two is obviously pretty unlikely there in my opinion but the at louisville they they could lose tennessee at home i don't think kentucky is so good that like tennessee at home is a slam dunk missouri at home kind of coin flippy you know uh, uh, go ahead and give me the under here i i think that what stoops did is very rational I just don't know that it's guaranteed to work. And at this point, the price has kind of gotten away. Like if you think about what what this opened at, it opened at it opened at six and a half minus a dollar sixty-seven. So now we've moved to seven minus a dollar fifty. So we've only come down 17 cents and uh, but we've gone up a half win. The price of a half win ain't 17 cents, guys. Like the, the market has beat up on this pretty hard. Give me the under. I'm gonna take the over. Um and it's not a bet I would recommend for all the reasons Bud just laid out as far as how expensive it is to take the over. But for the purposes of our podcast here, and at the end of the year, looking back, saying who had more wins, <laughs> who had more overs, who had more unders, I'm going to take the over for that one. So I think there's an interesting thing that's unfolding, and it's in the SEC, and I think it's in all of college football, is we're seeing the haves and the haves-nots and the have-nots. And really, the haves, the richest teams, are like – the five or six programs, maybe seven or eight if you want to go there. But underneath that, I think there's more parity maybe than there's ever been before. And I think Kentucky's a good example of that. Kentucky was an automatic W for every team in the SEC for a long time. And I think Stoops has actually elevated the program to a place where they're recruiting top 40 classes. They've been way more competitive. They've been able to break the streak against Florida. They've been able to have some nice wins for the program. And I actually think... And I love, I love Eddie Grant. I think he's a, a very respectable coach. And I think he did – Lynn Bowden, when he was a, you know, a receiver playing quarterback, was maybe one of the more masterful offensive game plans we've seen to get a receiver to put up numbers like he did. But over the course of the last five years, their passing offense has averaged 113th. So it can't get much worse. I think this is a league too where in – in a game, not a league, but a game – now where you have to be able to pass the ball if you want to stay competitive in games. So I actually like the changes that they've made. I'm going to take the over. I just think it's hard to see a 6-6 six and six team. It wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't recommend this bet, but I'm going to take the over. I'm Danny, on, can I? Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chip. I'm on the under. Um, I think that at Mississippi State is tricky. You could go 0-2 against the West. 
for division losses, I can really quick, I can really quickly give you uh, Florida, Georgia, and Missouri. I'll have more notes on that Missouri uh, pick here in just a little bit. And if at Louisville at the end of the season ends up being an L, that's six and six. I agree with you. It's awesome that we are debating whether Kentucky football is going to be six and six or eight and four, and that we've got picks on each side of this. So I, you know, you can compliment the program and you could be interested in the changes that are happening. But as, as I'm looking at this right now, uh, I think that the, it is not as much me being down on Kentucky as me just feeling like some of these other teams are in a little bit of a better position. So, uh, give me the under seven as well. So the one thing I want to bring up here and I, like, I totally agree. Yes. It'd be, it would be very hard for their passing game to get worse. I think there's kind of a similar thing going on at the FSU you know, Danny, we were talking about this last night on Nolcast. It's like, if you go with Mackenzie Milton, how much do you sacrifice in the efficiency of the run game? Mm. You know, t- Kentucky's run game has been great. And, or I mean, at least relative to the, like their expectations, they've had good offensive line play. Chris Rodriguez is a really good back. But how much of it was because they were playing essentially a running back at quarterback in Terry Wilson or Lynn Bowden or a couple other guys for him? E- even Joey Gatewood, you know, to an extent, is not a great thrower. He's more of like a battering ram type. How good is this run game if you, you know, with with Will in there? We don't know. It's not that he can't move. It's just he's not somebody that really is going to scare the defense running. Like the 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 increase in efficiency in the pass game had better, you know, offset the decrease in efficiency in the run game if there is one. You know, and I I don't know. Like their leading receiver last year had 473 yards. Nobody else had more than 200. So. There's some growth there. How many games are going to win this fall? Coming up on the other side, we turn our attention to the Alpha Nerd and some first-year head coaches at Tennessee, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt next. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, Cover 3 listeners, I wanted to let you know about what's on CBS Sports HQ. As always, CBS Sports HQ is the network to start your sports news day at 8 a.m. Eastern with Morning Buzz. It's an hour of highlights, news, and all the days need to know. Then you can come back later, I mean, or just leave us on all day, at 6 p.m. where we break down all the night's action and release dozens of picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world. Now, how do you watch CBS Sports HQ? It's easy. Go to your Roku app. Apple TV, Fire TV, or really any connected TVs and look for that CBS Sports app. Fire up the CBS Sports app and check out HQ. It is the only 24-7 free sports streaming network. We'll be on a little bit later today. Jam-packed, two blocks, AP Top 25, overrated, underrated, overrated, underrated. You know how we do. CBSSportsHQ.com on your desktop, CBS Sports app on the Roku, Apple TV, Fire TV, or most connected TVs. Uh, You'll see us and you'll be a smarter sports fan for it. How many games are going to win this fall? The Missouri 
Tigers uh, over under win total set at 7.0 at the Caesar Sportsbook over at minus 130 under at plus 110 uh, the non-con fire up chips Central Michigan Southeastern Missouri State at Boston College and North Texas the West draw Texas A&M will be coming to Columbia and then uh, the rivalry game against Arkansas that one will be on the road Alpha Nerd had a pretty exciting uh First year seems to have his quarterback in Connor Basilak. So, uh, you know, as we're trying to position how we think the SEC East is going to be, uh, I'm curious to hear how you think Missouri's conference record will turn out and how that might influence your pick. So, where are we at with Missouri? Hmm. Are we going to be in like a promo video again, like a hype <laughs> video for Mizzou this season? Um, maybe we will be. I'm going over. I, I look at this team and kind of what you were talking about when we were talking about Kentucky, Danny, like it's Georgia and Florida at the top of the division. And then after that, I think that there's a lot of room for all these teams to maneuver. And I look around and I have questions about Kentucky because I'm not 100% sure what that offense is going to look like and where there's going to be an adjustment. I look at Tennessee with a new coach and you worry about there's going to be adjustment. South Carolina, new coach. Vanderbilt, new coach. Like Missouri is a team that last season gave us reasons to be optimistic about where that program was going, especially considering where we had been about feeling about it before the season started. So I look at Mizzou and I think that this is a team that could capitalize on a lot of question marks throughout the rest of that division besides Florida and Georgia again. And I think that Connor Basilek at quarterback gives them a very solid floor. I thought that he was very, he wasn't amazing last year, but for a freshman, I thought he was impressive. I thought he showed good poise, good decision-making and the kind of stuff that you kind of want to see from a young quarterback. And I think that he has a chance to improve. I think that the receiver position it's not loaded, but I do think they got Mookie Cooper in, a transfer from Ohio State who's from the St. Louis area. He was one of the higher-rated players in his his recruiting class who, as a lot of receivers who end up going to Ohio State, find out. You know, there's, there's not an easy path to the playing field, but I think coming back to Mizzou, getting him on the field, I think he's a very talented player, and he's the kind of guy that could do a lot of things for them offensively. I think defensively, they've got a new defensive coordinator this year it could be different i think that you know one of the things about that mizzou defense last year is they played a lot of man defense like a lot of man much more man than you typically see on a on a, on a regular basis for most teams and i i wonder if moving more to a balanced approach could help them there or if maybe it'll hurt because they played a lot of man but they weren't terrible at it but I just think this is a good team that has a chance to take advantage of its schedule too, mostly because I think that Kentucky game on the road is a tough game early, but the rest of it, Central Michigan should be a win. Southeast Missouri should be a win. I think Missouri's better than Boston College even going on the road. I give them that win. I think Tennessee at home is a win. North Texas at home is a win. The Aggies, no. But Vandy on the road, winnable. Georgia on the road, no chance. South Carolina has to come to Mizzou. Florida has to come to Mizzou. And then Arkansas is your other road game. I could see this team getting to eight wins pretty, not easily, but very realistically. So I'm on the over here. I will be joining you on that over. And as I was breaking it down, I was trying to think about Missouri, Kentucky, Missouri, Kentucky. You know, they're both sitting there in the same kind of area and, and you're trying to figure out, I was like, what, what, what happened last year? Well, last year, uh, Kentucky went to Missouri as a three, three and a half point favorite. And got outgained by 276 yards. And it wasn't like it was like a turnover thing. Kentucky turned the ball over once. Missouri didn't turn over the ball at all. But Missouri absolutely kicked Kentucky's ass. And there's a lot of changeover, obviously, that we just discussed with Kentucky earlier in the show. But as we start to see who's got the leg up on another division rival, it's not my only data point there, but it was a data point for me to consider. I, I've got a lot of excitement in the Connor Basilak, Eli Drinkwitz, you know, former offensive coordinator, somebody who's uh, who's great in job interviews and great on the chalkboard, you know, great great on all of his uh, his his pregame calls with the analysts. Everyone loves Eli Drinkwitz, and, and consider me uh, among the fans of Coach Drink. And I, I think they've bring back a lot at the wide receiver position. Losing Larry Roundtree is probably a little bit more of a name than necessarily like, oh my gosh, how are they going to replace him? We just got used to him because he was around uh, for so long, putting up good, you know, 100-yard games in SEC play. So I I think that it could be 4-0 in non-con. I agree that 
if I'm going to count it, I should probably count it as three and one because going to Chestnut Hill could be tricky. I think it's one and one versus the West. And I think that their position of advantage against the rest of the division uh, has this going over. I'm not even like considering it push insurance. I think this is an eight and 14. Whew, I'm with you. It's making me nervous. I'm very curious Uh-oh. to hear where a bud goes on that one too. I agree. I, I to- like Chip, I think you just absolutely nailed it with the kind of schedule breakdown, the way the splits fall there, one-on-one versus the West. I think there's a chance they could catch Florida at home late in a game they don't, you know, maybe don't want to be there. You heard my take on Florida. I like Connor Bazelak a lot. You mentioned Roundtree gone, but Tyler Beatty's got a lot of experience, got, you know, over a thousand yards career rushing. So it's not like a total, you know, uh, you know, freshman coming in there. They've got experience. I think you'll see a big jump to year one to year two and all the COVID season last year. And they kind of surprised some people found their quarterback. So I think you'll see another jump in production from Mizzou. So give me the over two. I, I really don't want to bet any of these SC East win totals. I think most of these, <laughs> like, like there's not a lot of value because they play like for the most part, absolute cupcakes in the non-con. And then, like, you get your games against your your really heavy hitters that you're just not going to win. So it's like, hey, can they go two and two against these final four games, right? There's not a there's not that many coin flips for them. But Missouri does have some coin flips. I'm going to go ahead and take the under here for a, a couple reasons. I, I feel like last year their win total did not reflect how well they actually played. Um, I'm not going to bet this, just to be clear. Like, this is just me picking something for, for the show. I really like some of the transfer activity they did. The, the, the linebacker from Rice ain't bad. A, a Caleb Evans, the, the corner they got from Tulsa, is actually a really good player. I, I know a bunch of other coaches were a little kind of envious that they were able you know, to get him. I do think Basilak's a, a good QB. You know, And I, I, I think Drinkwitz is, is a really good head coach. I just look at this and I see I, I don't really like their chances to beat A&M, Florida, or especially Georgia on the road. Tennessee, I have Missouri favored in that game, but not by 10. You know, at Boston College, they're probably, what, a one-point dog to a one-point favorite, something in there. It may, within a field goal either way. At Kentucky, they're a dog. At Arkansas, I actually don't like Arkansas very much this year, but I still think they are, what, a very slight dog at Arkey. Mm-hmm. I think we're all getting our money back on this one. Right, come come Christmas, they'll pay it out and be like, oh hey, they went seven and five. I just don't want to pay the minus one thirty juice to the over. So you know, go ahead and give me the, you know, go ahead and give me the plus one ten to the under, very slightly. See, you weren't aggressive enough to make uh, a hater highlight reel there. That was very smart. You know, like the I don't, the, the, I don't hate this team. I like this team. I yeah. just don't like the price. And we love that they listen because we appreciate all of our listeners. So uh, before we, before we move on to the next team, though. I just want to I want to play a game with you guys because I mentioned earlier how much man defense Mizzou played. I just looked it up. The average defense in FBS last year played man twenty seven percent of the time. Does anybody want to guess how often Mizzou played man? Forty. Incorrect. Oh, wait. What? We're running by me again. Average, average, is average FBS defense played man twenty seven percent of the time last year on defense. How often was Mizzou in man? So I think you got all these these G five teams that don't get any athletes on defense that really skew this down, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. you know, because they they just can't play man. I don't know. What's the what's the number one team? Mizzou. They're the number <laughs> one team in play, yeah. playing uh-huh. man coverage. And by the way, the four teams that played man the least, all Power Five teams. But go ahead. Really? Yeah. It was Iowa, Iowa State, West Virginia, and Northwestern. They all played man the least often. But mm. here, I'll just instead of instead of wasting time, sixty percent. I don't know. Closer like than five percent. The average was twenty seven percent. Mizzou played in man coverage sixty eight point six percent of the time. Rounded up, nice. So forty percent above league a- or country average on their schedule. Though, who who scares you? Like if you're Mizzou and you're lining up in man, I mean clearly Georgia, Florida, A and M, who I think we would all peg as losses anyway. But anybody else, talent wise, do they really strike fear in you that they're just going to shred you if you play man? Probably no. not. Boston College can chuck it around a lot. Um, if you got the guys to play man, I think that's a good strategy against Tennessee and Arkansas. But they basically run the same offense, and if you 
if they can find if you play a lot of man and they could find somebody who should not be playing man, we <laughs> saw it with they run that Art Brile system. Like they're so wide out, like like they're they're so spread wide. You know, Tennessee beat them pretty bad last year, right? And try to like that. There's some teams that, that could that could could hurt them if they, if they decide to play that much man again. I'd be more. Oh, we could see, but I don't think Texas A&M beats you by chucking it down the field and beating you in man coverage. I think Tennessee beats it just by having bigger and better dudes at the line of scrimmage. Not Tennessee. Did I say Tennessee? Texas A&M. Like the, I'd be more scared of the Boston College angle of that probably than uh, than Texas A&M. But I think Texas A&M wins that game anyway, as we mentioned. I think. I think Chip is mostly right there. I will say, just having watched Jimbo for a while, I he seen his team seemed to struggle sometimes against teams that want to play a lot of zone uh, because, like, they're, they're primarily like, like a progression system, and so you can kind of game them into some of the checkdown stuff, and then get them into kind of red zone roulette. They, they don't really push the ball explosively against zone. Against man, they do. Um, you know, like, they'll they'll post alert, cover four, and stuff like that. But like, it, you know, for the most part. It, you can kind of game them into some of the dumps and stuff and and then take your chances in, in the red zone. The lesser teams that used to play them in man and the SEC would, would get hit. Mm. Those, are, those are the games where they, the offense is giving the fans like, oh, here we go. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you, you level up a little bit. Interesting. Count them up! Year one of Josh Heupel at, in Knoxville with the Tennessee Volunteers over under win total at Caesar Sportsbook set at six. over at plus 110 minus 130 to the under the non-con is Bowling Green Tennessee Tech Pitt and South Alabama the draw from the west includes Ole Miss uh, coming to Neyland Stadium and on the third Saturday in October that game against the Crimson Tide will be in Tuscaloosa so year one We've got a lot of turnover you know some stars left some really important players left so you know, the Vols are going to be trying to be really entertaining. You know, we're trying to, we're trying to chuck it around. We're trying to, to score and score often. And does this lead to a, a bowl season? Because if you're taking the over here, even thinking on a push insurance, then you think Tennessee is bowling. Is Tennessee bowling in 2021? And recruiting allegations notwithstanding. I don't know about bowl bans or anything like that. But if, you know, these things are, have not been decided yet, do you think that Tennessee will be in the postseason this fall? No, I'll take the under. I just think you look at the mass exodus of quality players. I mean, how hard is it going to be for ten uh, for volunteer fans to watch two o two o just tearing it up for Alabama this year and to watch their running like go watch Oklahoma all year? <laughs> you know, like you're going to see key contributors that were at Tennessee that have left the program. I just think this is going to be one of those wash years for Tennessee, and I think even their fans know it. I think, but we'll see how long that kind of rationale plays out because I think this will be a bottom out year for Josh Heupel and the Tennessee Volunteers. I think it's going to be a rough one. So I'm going to take the under. I think quarterback's going to be a massive problem too. I just don't like for what they want to do. I don't know if they have the right guys, plural, because it's a crowded quarterback room to execute the offense they want to run. Yeah, I'm with you. I, 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 I think that they could get to a bowl. I mean, the the totals at six. I think they do go bowling just barely. But if I have to bet one side here, I'm going to take the under before I take the over. And kind of like what you just mentioned, Eddie. For me, it comes down to the quarterback situation. I don't. I do. We know who the starter is. Has there been any inkling? I know there's Milton. I know there's Harrison Bailey. I know there's Hendon Hooker. It's just none of these guys really give me a ton of confidence whoever wins the job. Like I was very high on Joe Milton at Michigan going into last season. And maybe, maybe just with the COVID year and everything, his play was a result of like just messed up practice situations and all that kind of stuff. And maybe with a full off season to prepare for the season, he's able to live up to the, you know, some of the potential that I see in him, but until he does it, it's hard for me to have faith in it. So when I look at the schedule and I look at this team and I look at the expectations for them, I just feel like six and six, five and seven is where Tennessee is destined to be in 2021. Under, um, I've got Pitt as a loss. 
So you got three non-con wins and feel real good about yourself. That would be awesome. Love to see Bowling Green on that schedule. Uh, I think Ole Miss and at Alabama are both losses. So can you beat three division opponents? I don't know. And if my answer is I don't know about three, then I should not feel confident about beating four division opponents and the total lack of confidence in Tennessee getting four wins against SEC East teams is what has me feeling pretty good about uh, going under here. Though I I agree that uh, a six and six season, I think should be celebrated and a five and seven season probably shouldn't be uh, the markings that everything is going horribly. Now, if the bottom falls out now, now we got some, some real concerns, but it feels like a high number for everything that has gone on from a personnel perspective, from the changeover at head coach, uh, I just I think that uh, five and seven much more likely than seven and five. I'm also on the under. So you guys just laid out all the reasons why I bet this under in May, and I will do it again. <laughs> like the, it, it is absolutely under for me. Now I actually have reasonable confidence that they're going to get okay quarterback play, just because of the number of names they have in that room. Like I and and this is a very QB friendly system. We, we we see guys go there. You know, look, look at Kendall Browse has gone twice and installed it both at FSU and Arkansas, and it was very much workable in in week one. You know, like they they put up points immediately. Uh, Joe Milton, I have accuracy concerns about him. I have since I've seen him play a whole bunch in high school and at Michigan, but it's not crazy to me to think they could make a bowl with Milton. You know, running around and and and, and throwing go routes, which is basically <laughs> what they ask him to do because they're they're spread. You know, so wide in this veer and shoot stuff. You know, maybe it's Hendon Hooker. You know, maybe Bailey. We know Brian Maurer left the team, uh, but I do have some some real concerns here elsewhere. They've already had some some key offensive line injuries so far in the fall. Uh, that's a spot where they were already thin, so that's not good. They do play some really good defensive lines in some of their you know quote unquote toss up games, right? Including Pitt, which I, I think is is problematic uh, for them. I, I, I think Pitt will win that game in Neyland. Um, defensively, man, this got picked over hard. Like if you were a good player at Tennessee, you kind of transferred out. And I, like, I remember going through their, their roster and just crossing off guys who, who had left and it, that's a whole lot of red ink. Um, their secondary also last year was not very good. And that's like the one part of this defense that returns, uh, the most. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Do you, they were what 125th, I think, in uh, in passing success rate allowed. So that ain't great. I I just can they make a bowl? Yeah. Do I think five and seven is a lot more likely than than, than seven and five? I do. I think the proper price for this is more like a dollar sixty. So at a dollar forty, it, it's it's definitely a bet for me. How many games are gonna win this fall? little bit of late news uh, for the South Carolina win total as we've got an injury for presumed starter Luke Doty. Uh, the win total at three and a half as I pulled it from the Caesar Sportsbook with the over at minus 165, the under at plus 145. Non-conference includes Eastern Illinois. You go to Greenville to play ECU, Troy at home and Clemson at home. The draw from the West to College Station to play Texas A&M and Auburn at home. First years are hard. Shane Beamer's a really, really nice guy. I mean, he is just a really nice guy, which is going to make it really easier when this team goes three and nine. I am, uh, I am sitting on the under, and there are a few games that I can identify that could go the other way, but my general confidence in this South Carolina team can best be expressed that I look at, at ECU and Troy and think those are both games they could lose. I don't think they'll lose. But if they end up going two and two, one and three in the non-con, um, I wouldn't be totally surprised. And I do not find many teams uh, in conference play where I think that they're going to have a definite advantage. So the I think that they when I get to three and nine, it obviously includes um, more of that at ECU Troy situation. But I'm uh, I'm on the under. The Doty thing pisses me off. <laughs> I mean, it really sucks. I, I, th- this is this is one that I bet the over pretty hard on back in May. I got it at minus dollar thirty, minus dollar thirty five. Now you got to lay a dollar sixty five, and the starting quarterback is hurt, uh, you know, foot sprain, some ligament stuff. Probably you know, a month, 
um, which means he like that that East Carolina game is a game they're absolutely not locks to beat East Carolina. I think this will be the best East Carolina team we've seen in a while. The Troy game is also not a lock. I think Troy is an improved football team. If you listen to the last episode where we gave out Troy uh, as as a, a team to take over, you know Kentucky at home certainly winnable T- at Tennessee. Kind of coin flippy, but I, I do have Tennessee slightly favored in that. For the show, I God, I I guess at that price. Are you gonna stick with it? Are you gonna stick with it? Well, the thing is, I'm absolutely going as soon as we got this show, and we're not supposed to do this anymore according to the iTunes reviews. There's a four plus one fifteen to the under that I'm gonna go out and hit and then hope hope they land on four. And so I, I win my over three and a half and, and I you know push my four, but like I I'm too exposed on this. It's over right now, so I need to kind of unload some risk. I just don't like. I think they're good along the lines of scrimmage, actually, which is kind of surprising for for a team like South Carolina. But there's a lot of tr- tricky games here that I don't really love them in now. If they don't have you know, like can Doty run around? Like that's a big part of his game is his mobility. I just, I'm I'm going to stick with the over three and a half. Because I think he'll be back, but like, damn man, this is. I'm saying that I, there's no way in hell I would bet over three and a half right now at this price. I just, I also don't want the under. I'm going over. I, I, th- I understand where the ECU and the Troy. I do think that those aren't gimmies by any means. At least not, not in the traditional sense that you would think an SEC team playing East Carolina and Troy should be wins. I, I but. I do think they're going to win those games more often than not, though I do agree with you. But the Doty thing really kind of like I, they're going to beat there. They should beat Eastern Illinois with or without Doty. But the road trip to ECU, not with the Doty question. If he plays, I think they win that game. If he's limited or he's not even back yet, that game becomes a lot trickier to me. But I, I kind of agree with you as far as the trenches. I think this team is good on the offensive line. I think the front seven, they're good in the defensive line, and they've got a lot of experience in the front seven of that defense. The secondary is going to. I'm not super confident in, but I do think they can win their three non-conference games. And then the question becomes is can you nip one in conference play? And I do see some opportunities to do that. Like Kentucky at home is winnable. Vandy at home is winnable. Tennessee on the road, it's winnable. There, there are three games that I look at in the conference where I say this team can get one of those. I don't think they're going to be a good team. I don't think they're going to really flirt with a bowl game. But I think they can get to four wins. So I'm, I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over, too. I think you have a pretty safe floor, which sounds kind of crazy. The way, but I think, I don't know. I think you got to remember, too, like last year was COVID, right? It was bad. I think this is one of those teams that threw in the towel. Coach gets fired next day. A couple players opt out. Like that's a mentality that creeps in. And clearly it was just headed the wrong direction. But before that, Will Muschamp's worst year was four wins the year before. They're typically, you know, five, six. And then before that, it was they had the program rolling. I still think they'll be able to lean on the East Carolina, the Troy, the Sunbelt teams. I just feel like the I'm, I'm with Tom's thinking of they're going to get three non-cons. And then Vanderbilt, who we're going to discuss, you know, can they sneak out one other surprising win? Like, I wouldn't be shocked if they beat, again, it kind of comes back to the parody that's in there. Would you be surprised if they beat Kentucky? Yeah, you probably wouldn't pick it, but I don't think it would be shocking or Mizzou or uh, Tennessee. So, like, I or think, Auburn. yeah, I mean, seriously, like there mm-hmm. would be another win that's in there that you wouldn't be floored by. So, I think this is one of those things, again, Georgia, I'm looking to sell kind of high. I think this is the time to buy South Carolina when the people have just kind of thrown them out with the garbage. And I think they'll be better than they were last year. I don't think they're going to be great, but I feel like four wins is kind of where I expect them to be. And I think fifth would kind of be where I would lean as opposed to a three and nine. They could look really smart for taking Jason Brown from St. Bonaventure, or excuse me, from from St. Francis, the the QB Mm -hmm. transfer, as opposed to having to start a true freshman. I know they're really from last chance you. (laughs) <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> um, also, there's this pass rusher they got from Georgia State, a dude who's bulked up a ton. I think he was a safety coming out of high school. His name is Jordan Straken, and like he's been killing it for them so far in camp. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see them. When 
you talk about um, the how they are on the defensive front. Do we attribute that? Like as, as he's on the way out, is that like the must champ effect? Like, congratulations. You took over a roster that's been coached and developed by coach boom, which means that the players that are still there are going to be able to have a somewhat high floor, uh, especially defensively up front. Possibly. I also think it's, they got a lot, they got like a lot of seniors on that front seven, which I think is big for them when it comes to some of those games that are more winnable than not. Count them up! And we bring the SEC East to a close with Clark Lee and the Vanderbilt Commodores. Over-under win total set at 3.0. The Caesar Sportsbook over minus 140. The under plus 120. Non-conference has East Tennessee State, UConn, and Stanford at home, and then a road trip to face Steve Adazio in Colorado State. The draw from the West Division is both Mississippis. You go to Ole Miss, and you welcome Mississippi State to Nashville. So as Barton Simmons has his eyes on the present and on the future and on roster management and roster construction, just being that Swiss Army knife, that sounding board for the building of this program, just a couple of NBA boys, Nashville natives, building up the Commodores, does year one start with less than three wins, three wins, more than three wins. What are we doing with the over-under win total? It's an over for me. Yes. Um, I. So they were 120th in SP Plus last year. Remember, there were only 127 teams who played because New Mexico State, UConn, UConn. and what Old uh, Dominion opted out last correct. year. Mm-hmm. So they were seven from the worst team in FBS last year. They were not competitive really in any game. Like the Mississippi State game was close, but like they were very lucky to be in that. Uh, they had five turnovers in that game. Yeah, right? and like their their post game win expectancy was eighteen percent. It is the only game in which they had a double digit post game win expectancy. Oh no, maybe their they, they were, got five turnovers. My fault on that one. Oh, excuse me. Yes, uh, you know a lot of a lot of weird COVID stuff last year. I just think they that 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 what's the what's the win total here? Three, three. Yeah. So again, I think this is a relatively. Is anybody going to make a case for going under three? Because I just I don't see it. Like East Tennessee State and UConn should be wins. I think those are the only two games in which they're favored. However, I do believe that they have reasonable chances to win. Like not, you know, they're not going to be forty point dogs at Colorado State, at South Carolina, Stanford, you know, Missouri, and Kentucky both come to Nashville, and as does Mississippi State, which is helpful. You know, they get. What at Florida at Ole Miss? Those aren't winnable. Georgia's not winnable. At at Tennessee is probably not winnable. But I, I need to get two of Colorado State, South Carolina, Stanford, Missouri, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Tennessee. This team, it should be improved. I I just don't think they go winless in that stretch. And if you're going to take the under, that's what you basically need to think. Or you think they're going to drop one to, to Etsu or UConn. So go ahead and give me the over. I think they could go four and zero non-con over. Like they, they they could be four and eight at the end of the season and zero and eight in SEC play. I don't think that's the way it falls. That's not like where I'm hanging my over pick. And I do agree that three and nine is a, a potential scenario. But I I think that given just sort of like the the suitum up, like if I'm gonna do these kind of adjustments in my head where the numbers don't line up because the numbers hate Vanderbilt, um, I think that the Stanford Vanderbilt game is one that Vanderbilt's team and Vanderbilt fans should say we can win this game we we absolutely can win this game so I'm, I'm not I am always standing uh I'm not always I'm often standing on the opposite side of uh Colorado State and I'm with you UConn and East Tennessee State are the two locks so I'm I'm on the over pretty enthusiastically I think we're pushing at a minimum by October 2nd like, like I think they're beating Eastern Tennessee I think they're beating UConn, and I think they'll win one of the two at Colorado State Stanford. So I think that by the time, you know, the Georgia game, yeah, they're winning that. No, I think they're probably <laughs> going to lose Georgia. But by the time they get to that road trip at Florida that really kicks off the beginning of their SEC schedule for good, I think they've got at least three wins. They might have four wins by then. And then when you get into that SEC schedule, like you're saying, but like 
South Carolina on the road is not an impossible game. Mississippi State, Mizzou, Kentucky, three consecutive games at home with a bye in between. You can get a win in there. That's very feasible. You get Ole Miss on the road, probably not a win. I just don't know if Fandy's got the offense yet to be able to keep up with Ole Miss like they're going to have to. And then Tennessee on the road, it's a rivalry game. It's not like Vandy hasn't beaten Tennessee recently in games like this where you don't think they should, but they do. So I'm pretty comfortable with this over because, again, I think we're pushing at a minimum by the first weekend in October. I was just looking up uh, lines to see if I could find them for the Stanford game. And I saw Vanderbilt was a one and a half point favorite. And I was like, ooh, where's that one? And it was the baseball college world series line. <laughs> that was an old one. So, but I think that's I think that game will be one of the more fascinating games here for their season. Cause I do think they start off two and oh. I think the UConn game is a win. So there's three. I think this one could be the one that puts you for the over. There's no way I'm going to make it on some Vanderbilt promotional like highlight video and take the under because, you know, our guy Barton would say, go check them out. See if they're fading us. See what's happening. (laughs) There's no way I'm buying into the Clark Lee regime and the new investment and the football mentality that they're selling at Vanderbilt. So I don't know. I do think it comes down to the Stanford game, but it's in Nashville. Like, I think this will be. Oh, Stanford's a body clock all-star team. I mean, how many times yeah. have we at the end of the season been like, oh, that didn't count. It was 10 a.m. for the Stanford team. Like, we need to now factor that in as a reason to bet against Stanford. Yes. So I'll take the over as well. Yeah, that's that's one thing, Barton. I don't know what kind of power you have there, but that's an 8 p.m. Eastern start or 7 p.m. local start. You guys need to get that earlier in the day. That, yeah. should, be, that should be 11 a.m. <laughs> Nashville time. That's it's okay because uh, I'm sure that David Shaw has already changed up their sleeping patterns or whatever and whatever sports science they've uh, they've got right there. So there you go, Barton. Uh, you've you've allowed us to continue to use your voice in the intro, and, and we've got you with four piping hot overs here in the SEC East Win Totals episode. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott Three. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+.